Hi, Ryan. Hello. How are you? I'm stressed out driving in the rain. Oh. To a sound check in Pasadena on a Friday rush hour. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. It's warm and dark here in Louisville, so very different weather. Oh, you're in Louisville. Wow. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, it's really dark here. We're ha- we're having very Midwestern storm type winter, uh, like winter storms, like big Midwestern clouds, like ominous kind of clouds for us, which is pretty pretty wild. Yeah, flooding. I, I think that's happening all over the country, just metaphorically, anyway. So it seems but fitting. You mean like, yeah, it's like the streets are flooded with liberal tears. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You did it. Isn't that what? Isn't that what they're calling? <laughs> Isn't that what they're saying? If you're, you're, if you're like a person interested in like your civil rights, oh. you're crying liberal tears. I always hear that. I'm like, really? Like that's what they're saying. Mm. They're saying a lot of like, things, I was Ryan. Like, I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, what's the opposite of that? Like, like bald eagle tears. Like, what do you? What's the opposite? I don't know. I wonder what most bald eagles, if they could vote, what they would actually vote for, though. You know what's really interesting about the bald eagle is it's. Um, one of the dumbest birds in the history of probably birds. Is that true? Yeah. Look it up. They're, um, they're, I, I think it's... I, I remember maybe it was a Joe Opera speech or something that I'd had on a record or something, but that they're like incredibly inbred and um, there's like they're treated like this ferociously uh, unbelievable unbelievable determined hunter animal but they're apparently not i mean maybe not i don't know yeah well i've never been a bird so i don't know how to discriminate towards an iq of another bird yeah i i won't with with no disrespect to a bald eagle um i'll still take a little bit of joy in that so i i can appreciate it it's funny in some weird ways i don't know why why. i'm gonna use that as the seg here because i know we're uh, strapped for time but uh you did release a song called Doomsday the mere hours before the inauguration, so... Yeah. I feel like maybe that was at least planned a little bit with all of that in mind. Yeah, definitely. Have you been getting any um, any comments back from, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the less liberal fans about that choice? I mean, I've seen... I mean, there's the normal kind of thing where somebody will come to say something, you know, somebody will want to say something hurtful and purposefully like cruel or rude to me about my choices or that I should not speak up about politics because I'm a musician or an entertainer. So I should quote unquote stick to music, stuff like that. As, as though my vote or opinion didn't matter <laughs> because I play guitar. You right. Know? Right. Which so, but the, um, actually, strangely, um, you know, those people I usually sort of decide right away. I go like, cool, I really don't want to hear from you again because you're probably a mouth breather. So, uh, you know, and like, I just get those people my zone. But recently, actually, strangely, uh, people go like, I don't agree with your politics, but I love your music. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's civility. Like, I haven't seen that before. And I've actually seen that at least two or three times recently. So um, I'm like... But I'm really suspect of that. I'm like, wow, like, okay, so you support this, but you're being civil and you're kind of like trying to like be nice to me. And I immediately think this has to be a Russian operative. (laughs) 
you know, you're not an overly political artist, but I, I'm more surprised when I hear people say that line about a band like The Clash or, or one of those, because I've heard that before. Like, you know, there are very conservative people who love The Clash and who love Pearl Jam and, you know, these bands that are very outspoken on the cause, but yet their fans are like, but I like your music, so I'll deal with it. Like, that's surprising to me. I don't really think that, in my opinion, um, I just, you know, I have a very different idea. I mean, I'm about what's happening, about what all this stuff means, and it sort of doesn't really have anything to do with being an entertainer or what your job is um, or whether or not, like, you think someone can bring jobs back to empty factories in the United States. I don't know what they're going to make, um, but, like, for me, it's more of a, it's more of a, there's a lot of things that it's hard for me to deal with on a human level. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't like the idea of thinking that, um, people are going to be sick, but that, that really upsets me. But I, I've been around people who, um, several times in my life have died from complications to otherwise, um, like really, um, really terrible diseases. And, that they needed um, financial help because medication and treatment for, you know, cancer, um, for lots of things that you, no one can predict that they're going to deal with. Um, I think that that's more of like a human being issue. Sure. I, I get concerned when I hear stuff like, um, like, yeah, like we're going to, yeah, like we're going to instantly repeal Obamacare. And you see like something and they're like people arguing on Twitter and they're like, well, who gives a shit? I'm covered, man. I, you know, um, cause I have ACA <laughs> and you're like, you're like, are you joking or what? And they're like, they're like, no man, that's, I have like, they had to fix this when it was screwed up and it was Obamacare. And you're like, you're like that, that is Obamacare. That's what they call it. Like they call it that. Like, and then, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of stuff. It's really, it's, it's really very, it's really very wild to me. And also, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that are really scary. Um, you know, talking about, you know, not just women's rights, but, you know, the rights of like, the, and, you know, the entire um, LGBTQ community. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, are, all of a sudden you're looking at and going, wait a minute, like, we've already done this. Like, what, what's happening? Right. It's scary to think that, it, it's scary for me to think as a human being like that, that even has to be questioned. Or that scientists somehow, that there's a conspiracy of all scientists that somehow believe that we're not responsible for, um, you know, what's happening with the environment, mm-hmm. even though the percentage of those people, I believe, it's like the upper 90% or something. Mm-hmm. It, it seems a little misguided to me to go like, well, the information, you know, the information is still out there. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, there's probably some people making a lot of money off of the fossil fuel industry that are still, look, you know, want to make, you know, they, they want to be able to afford the country club they're going to, but, you know, it doesn't make it, doesn't make it right. Also, it's very weird to go like, you know, um, Trump talks a lot about China. It's like, does he not look at the news and see that they have to sometimes like put out this like warning, the smog warning in their cities where 
like you aren't really supposed to go outside um, or drive like you can't see but a couple feet in front of you because such intense smog. Mm-hmm. That's that, real. That stuff scares me probably more than anything. But I, I will tell you the one thing that really does give me at least a little bit of hope right now is that I keep remembering that of the people who voted, three million more people voted for the other person. So yeah. while, while these people are in power, you got to think that if enough people get activated in, in whatever way <clears throat> in their local community or, or however they can, then you know we start believing in each other. We start helping each other, and and hopefully we get through the next few years a lot easier than I think some of us are freaking out with our liberal river of tears. The general vibe that I'm getting from most of the people I know is a com- they're completely shocked that they go like, "How is this happening?" And I think that how is this happening is more like a the combination of all the things together, like. How is this person going to become president considering the way that he's spoken about women? Mm-hmm. Um, so fucking disrespectful. Um, and, you know, like, I'm a guitar player, and, like, I don't know anyone that talks like that. Right. Ever. Right. Like, I mean, not the worst of the worst. They don't, they don't ever talk like I mean, you, you know, it's not like I've been around someone like that and you tolerate them. I mean, like, you just don't, you don't fucking hear that. Like, it's insane. But then the other stuff, too, where you go, like, wow, like, you have super conflicts of interest to be the president, including, like, the fact that there's, like, been kind of, like, some, out, like, this guy kind of is sort of feeding people this information that I think that they want if they're angry, but I don't know if the people that voted for him realize that very soon they'll be affected in a way that they could never understand. Sure, yeah. I mean, this guy's a billionaire. I, I just—I don't feel like he has the interests of some blue-collar worker um, in middle America in mind. And in fact, I, I would be very concerned for that person should they get sick in the next 16 months or two years. And um, it, it also would be nice not to have to go to war. I mean, wow, like, we just had a really, really beautiful, lovely experience of having somebody that was diplomatic, listening to the other side, um, even when maybe he didn't want to, and being very poised in the face of utter and total transparent racism as our president, and he mm-hmm. remained composed and a gentleman. And that's fucking awesome. And I'll, I'll keep that with me. And, you know, if you're going to be the president of the United States, I'm going to imagine that there's mistakes and, you know, they're not infallible, you know. Um, No one's going to be able to do a perfect job for every single person in the United States. But um, I'd like to think that um, I'd like to think that we just were shown some a great deal of respect. And Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a really hard thing to walk away from. It's going to be a very Especially, different four years. You know, my buddy Jeff Garland posted this thing on his Instagram, but quite literally, there was an actual line, who knows how many, but there was an actual line said in the same way that Bain said. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that <laughs> Trump said, and I remember thinking, like, oh, my God. <laughs> this whole time, I, I've always been thinking, like, where's Batman? Like, this is like any Batman graphic novel, but like, I'm just like, what is he coming? Like, this 
can't, this can't, this can't be the way it's going to be, you know, but, um, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's like you sort of said earlier, it's a hard thing to do, but it would be, um, it could be, it could be just as much of a fatal flaw to not try to find in all of this bullshit, some optimism, Mm -hmm. some hope. I mean, people were really fucked in the beginning of Star Wars, and they handled that shit. I think a lot of us have been trying to figure out what episode we're on right now. You know, is this... Dude, this is... Is this the Empire Strikes Strikes Back? Back. Right, it's the Empire Strikes Back, you know, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're we're on off. If if that's true, then at least we know what the next chapter is. And that's that's a hope. It's not a new hope, but it's a hope. (laughs) I, I mean, I guess... I mean, I mean, I guess things really have fluctuated. I don't know. I've lived, I've lived 40 years plus now. So I've been through, you know, the Reagan era, and then I've been through the Clinton era, and I've been through the Bushes. Like, um, so I've kind of seen that sort of, I've seen the sort of, I've seen the sort of ball being passed back and forth between parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to me like most of the time when I think of a Democrat and I'm being totally honest and it sounds like it's partisan, but that's because it, it probably is. It's that when I think of a Democrat, even if I were just to be thinking of them in a general way, I think of someone who is thinking about social service and the good, the, the good of everyone. And for some people, they think that that's not patriotic and that goes maybe a counter to the principles of capitalism, and it does. Mm-hmm. But if you really want a healthy capitalist society, you probably should think about it and really resonate with, you know, a lot of people. And that, like, they're out there playing football and they're playing hard and, and it's a brutal sport um, and you can get, really get knocked around. But if somebody gets injured, they go get you off the field and they get you some help, you know? And I feel like if you want capitalism, like, you should at least set it up so that if you decide that you're going to participate in the game, you can do it in a way where it doesn't destroy you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also probably a pretty scary thing for everyone to feel burdened thinking about those of us who are tight with our parents and their, our parents are aging. We don't want to think about how they're going to be cared for when they retire or what's going to happen to them um, when they become elderly. And you certainly don't want to think about having to worry about children when they're born. I think these are, these are things that should just be, they should be for everyone, but it's hard for me to not think about Republicans. Um, I have a family member who's a Republican who will go unnamed, but when I think of, a Republican agenda, specifically the one we're seeing now, it just seems like it's attached to intense, hardcore greed and people who maybe have forgotten that they want at one time were a helpless baby. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a helpless child. They couldn't have survived without the help of others. And it's really sad. It's really it's like we're not encapsulated in resin. We're not a scorpion belt buckle. We're we're people, you know. Right. We're, we're supposed to be here to help you have any other friends. Yeah. We don't have. We're the only species on Earth that's communicating. You know. Right. It's us and animals, and if you really want to know what human beings are like, look at the way we treat animals. I mean, 
luckily most people treat, treat their cats and their dogs well, but, um, but you know, there's a lot of, I mean, people are typically very abusive to animals. Like we're, we're awful to them. We raise them to kill them and eat them. And I'm not saying that someone has to be a vegetarian or a vegan or something, but the nature of who we are isolated in this, in this solar system, in this universe, it's terrifying. Like, I mean, once we're done with each other, there's, there's no one else. There's, there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. I would have expected that the, mankind would have, at this point in our evolution, been a little worried about that and wanting to snuggle on the couch for a weekend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're painting but a very great picture of, uh, of the world in the future. Not a wrong picture. Just, uh, I, I think now I understand how we started uh, with the word doomsday. So I'm going to sleep very well tonight. <laughs> the funny thing is, is, I guess if you want to take anything from all this, uh, you know, none of us can fix all of this for everyone. That's mm-hmm. the way it seems. But communicating and getting to know each other and being empathetic and learning to be compassionate and you know, the human race isn't a game. It's not a sport. We're not, this is a this is kind of a like Logan's Run scenario. Um, it's really scary to think that that's how some people feel. Yeah. But uh, I agree with you on all that. But um, yeah, it was about disappointment uh, when I wrote it, and it was also because the guitars the way they sounded because I spent a great deal of time listening to the Def Leppard album Hysteria, and like. I'd written a song, but I was like, God, how do I make my strats sound like that they're made out of, like, lasers? And so that's an entirely different thing than politics, but maybe equally important. Yeah. Well, we do need to talk about the music some. And you, 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 the way you said that, I kind of find uh, that interesting because, you know, people, I don't know, like, I read this biography of, from Einstein at one point, and the way he worked a lot of the time was uh, through... Uh, mind pictures. That's that's how he figured out what he wanted, and that's how he explained it. And and hearing you say that uh, seemed very similar. Uh, not that I'm trying to equate you to Einstein in any fair or unfair way, but you know, you, you wanted it. It's a very generous s- comparison, and <laughs> I would take it if I could. But you wanted the strat to sound like lasers. Is just such one of those great ideas. Like, and then you have to figure out how to do that, how to make that sound. Well, I mean, I imagine it as lasers because lasers is what made the most sense to me when I was sort of imagining this hovering Strat sound. Um, I feel like maybe Neil Sean probably also was able to get this vibe and definitely Starship. But there was a certain time in analog recording where um, the way that people would try to make guitars float on top of the mix could have everything to do with tone and phase. And or a long tail on re, on a, on a reverb, but a long tail on the reverb in a way where you didn't get in the way of the compression of the drums, you know. But you could also still still feel the songwriter at work. Um, there's a tip. There's a time where I think that that really took. Um, that became the first and foremost thing that uh, that you would hear in songwriting, and and for me that's. Um, you know, that generation of Don Henley and Bruce Hornsby and people who were able to put these like really heavy songs 
past you, but they were able to do it in a way where you're also kind of getting mystified. Mm -hmm. And as a guy that kind of came from post-punk, you know, as the sort of, that would be like the kind of music that I probably would most identify with. Um, I mean, although I'm a genuine metalhead in my civilian life, um, I, I would say that that era had this edge to it that it's hard to describe. Some of it's the Lindrum, I think. Mm-hmm. Some of it is the fact that I think those records wanted to create like a sense of geography, like large spaces within the songwriter in the middle of them. It was like they were trying to use elements to cr- make records that sounded much bigger than they had ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Big Generator did that, although that's much more mathy than what I'm referring to now. Um, but I'm really, really interested in in those kinds of records and do a lot of deep listening to that. So I felt like the kind of stuff that I was saying would benefit me from going there. But also that's the way my guitar playing kind of is. It's someplace between whatever I've ever picked up from Bob Mould and Who's Do, and however it sort of correlated back, at least in my electric guitar playing, how it related back to the stuff I remember listening to on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some of the first records that I bought um, before I started buying records as a lifestyle statement, you know. You talk about, you know, I mean, it's no secret, you know, your metalhead civilian life, as you put it. Uh, what's kept you writing these type of songs, however you want to categorize whatever, you know, the rock, uh, you know. And I don't think I have the attention. I don't think I have, a, I don't think I have the attention. I mean, I can do it, and I've written some really cool I mean, I jam metal stuff all the time with the boys down at Paxam, and we've recorded some really cool-sounding stuff. But I think metal takes, like, an endurance and an attention span, if you're going to play good metal, Mm -hmm. that goes far deeper than maybe what I have. And also, it's even though it's what I naturally love to listen to, because there's escapism and fantasy and time travel, and also that good, that big, doomy, awesome feel sometimes to the music, it's very pagan and esoteric and um, I'm happily uh, identify myself as both of those things. Um, as I think it appeals to me in that way, it feels like it, I'm going on a field trip into like, I don't know, like I'm in all of a sudden I'm in the movie aliens or something, yeah. but, um, but who I am as a person and what happens to me when I pick up a guitar, there's a natural thing of that too. Like, and I didn't want to fight against the nature of what that was. And then that's always been kind of the same. It's always been this kind of, like I always loved Dag Nasty and um, Minor Threat and like lots of punk records when I was growing up, they all mattered to me. And, and I loved them, the more brutal and the crazier the guitar, the better. But um, it, it's no secret that probably like the songs that would have really stuck out to me would have been like, the one acoustic song um, on those records. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved that band, Three, but, um, you know, um, and that record, Dark Days Coming, but um, I loved the acoustic guitar song on that record. I think it's called Swan Street. Like, I just always kind of found myself sort of caring about those in a different way, and, um, and I guess that's just who I was. And so, you know, I play metal when I can, but... I know who I am when I pick up the guitar and it's usually somebody that's, you know, going to tell a story that, I don't know, it's maybe a little more personal 
or, or about the politics of the personnel. Well, I don't think you're going to get any complaints here, especially from all of your fans that you've been out there. And you know, Well, I, trust I, me, I get plenty of complaints. So, um, <laughs> you're not getting any complaints from people, me. Well, there's plenty of people who don't like my music, and you know what? I get that. I don't know if I would like my music if I wasn't me. Um, <laughs> like I, I go see Slayer play. Like I don't go see... Um, I don't see many other songwriters. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do once in a while. There's some that I want to see every show, but um, but it's it's a funny thing. I think I I'm able to understand that what I make it's not right for some people. They want to listen to like Rage Against the Machine, or or maybe they're into jazz, or maybe they like pavement. And so my music sounds really stupid because it's not sarcastic or ironic, or um, and I get that, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm all right. Yeah, but your music's real. I mean, when I hear your songs, I at least know that what you're talking about, uh, whether it's, you know, cloaked in a story or, or it's a more personal record as this one seems to be, I, I, I always feel that it's a real statement that you're saying. And you don't get that from, you know, a lot of people. I mean, I have two things to say about that. One is we don't know for a fact if actually um, my music is real because we don't know the actual fundamental um, nature of reality yet, which is awesome. Um, there's no way to know. But the other thing is, is um, I certainly mean it. One time someone was saying like, oh man, it's so weird. Like I was trying to cover your song and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And um, it's like, what are you doing when you're capable in the third fret? And like, you do this thing where you go into A and they, and it might've just been like a fan or someone. I remember this one specific time and I said, and I jokingly said this thing, but it, maybe it's true as I was like, you have to mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, try to play like "I Apologize" by Husker Du and not mean it. It's not going to work. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, that's that's what I mean. But like, that's what I feel when I listen to your music. You know, I, I might not know the reality of it. I might not, but at least I feel as if I'm inside the song. And and, and you can't ask for too much more as a fan. At least I, I think. think that is a huge. I, I honestly do take that as a huge compliment, especially on a dark fucking day like today. Not just the weather. <laughs> Will you take care out there? Uh, enjoy Europe, and hopefully it won't be too long before you uh, see you in Louisville, too. Okay, man. Well, um, stay safe, and, um, you know, I'll see you when I'm out there. All right, man. Take care. All right, bye. Bye.